0: All right, guys. What's happening? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. You may have noticed that on the cover art, it's no longer the Envision Greatness Podcast. It's changed just to the Dylan Money Podcast. So just my name. Now, the main reason for this change is I was having a a deep think about the podcast and direction that I wanted it to go. And although I want to chat about self development a lot, um, as it's a big part of my life, there is other subjects that I want to discuss that may not necessarily be to do with self-development. So that's the reason for the name change. But anyway, for today's podcast, we have on Sylvester. Now, Sylvester is a friend of mine, and he is also an owner of a very successful independent gym in Glasgow. So, of course, naturally we speak about him starting his gym, what the obstacles were that he had to overcome, um, what made him decide he wanted to open a gym, and basically this full journey of building that gym from the ground up to where it is now it has won an award for the best independent gym in Glasgow as well so he obviously knows what he's talking about and he knows how to run a gym alongside that we also talk a little bit about social media um, as we normally do on the show and we talk about the positives and negatives of it and we also talk about content creation and why it's good but anyway, guys, it's a very insightful one, especially if you're looking to start a business. So we're going to get ready and fire right in. Sylvester, mate, cheers for coming on. How are you doing?
1: Uh, thanks for having me, Dylan. It's good to be on.
0: Yeah, so for those of the people that are listening who don't know you, just give a wee brief introduction of who you are and what it is you do.
1: So I'm Sylvester, I'm an online coach from Glasgow and I have a gym as well, I've done for about four years. Nice,
0: so obviously you're the owner of a gym and for those those of you listening that don't know, it's an independent gym in Glasgow and it's one, is it two awards you've won? Is it what, sorry? Two awards you've won.
1: Yeah, I won a couple of awards, and I think we probably go into that in the podcast and the, uh, like the kind of what people see from a perspective of, of winning awards and what they actually mean. Yeah, uh, I can talk about that later on in the podcast.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. So, obviously, you own this gym in Glasgow. If you can, can you talk me through your journey of where you started within the fitness industry um, through obviously beginning as a PT to where you are now owning a gym?
1: So mine was a bit. I kind of fell into the business completely. Um, I was actually well. I've been tra- I've been training for years. I, I've been. I'd been training for since I was like fourteen, fifteen. Got into boxing. Then got into some lifting, and, and kind of knew. I knew my way around the gym. Um, I got myself into decent shape, and uh, I was actually studying a masters in product design at the time, and then basically my my uncle owned a bunch of units in Glasgow, and it was a an old school bodybuilding gym at this point I was hating my master's degree and i just i was I was basically on the verge of just quitting it and I came home one day and I was completely like run down depressed like it's probably not for, for this podcast, but I was completely depressed everything my whole life just felt as if it was kind of meaningless and then eventually my my uncle basically said Sylvester I know you're a bit down you're feeling a bit lost here's the keys to the gym the guy's just left the gym he's left a bunch of equipment here I know you're into the gym Uh, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with this over the next three weeks so he buggered off on holiday gave me the keys to the gym and I trained in it for about three weeks about a week and a half in two weeks of training in it I was like, do you know what? I, could, I think I could do something with this. I had a bit of money saved up for a flat after I was going to leave um, uni or after I was due to graduate. And then from there, I just didn't have a PT qualification. I was like, I just kind of went for it. No business plan. And uh, it's probably a wee bit different from a lot of people's stories, but I basically just, I just ran with it. So I had the base knowledge of how to get a result. I had no business plan come from a family of um, people that run businesses, so I had a bit of um, support back in there, which was obviously good, but they had no experience of running gyms or anything like that, so it was it was definitely uh, completely fall- fallen into. And then, basically, ever since then, I've changed the business model countless times, four years down the line, a couple of awards later, and um, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I'm kind of here today, I guess. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's
0: mad. I didn't know that you didn't have your qualifications or anything. When, so when was it that you got your qualifications whilst like obviously opening the gym?
1: So the gym basically needed, so a lot of the equipment was there, not necessarily, it was a lot, a lot of old school bodybuilding equipment. I sold a few bits and pieces that weren't relevant to what I wanted to do with. And, uh, and then the bits that I had, they were all kind of mix and match. So because I had studied product design, um, sorry the uni- to the university if you're listening right, but uh, I was studying a pro- uh, product design master's and we they have a lot of laser cutters and bits and pieces that, that you can use to do a lot of branding and stuff. And I was I knew my, my way around design, so uh, I got a lot of stuff branded, spray painted stuff, made some kind of custom stuff that would have cost me a lot of money, so I saved a bit of money there. And then from there, uh, I basically just kind of sanded down the equipment by hand, by myself, and used uh, friends and family to come down and help me paint it all. And within a few months, I done the, the first part, the, the level two, done that online. And then the next part, I went through Edinburgh every weekend for a fair few weeks. And all of a sudden, I'm a PT uh, and then owned a gym as well. So it was all a bit mad. and all a bit rushed and all of a sudden I posted a thing on my, my Facebook and everyone was like, you own a gym now? They're like, what the hell? What's going on? So as you can imagine, as soon as something comes up like that, like you're going to get a lot of uh, backlash and people thinking he's not going to do it or whatever. But like th- those same people, some of them are even members now at the gym and uh, ask for my help. So uh, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's went the right way so far.
0: Yeah, perfect. So for anyone who follows you, there's a few times you've made some posts on your own transformation Mm -hmm. and you've obviously went from being slightly overweight to obviously being in shape.
1: Mm -hmm. Did
0: you get in shape before you opened the gym or did you get in shape during kind of the process of opening that gym?
1: Um, It depends what you define as as in shape. So I had, I'd been down um, at low levels of body fat when I when I initially I boxed for the university when I was in, I think I was about 19, I was in second year uni, so I'd been lean, and then all of a sudden, I'd definitely suffered from some form of body dysmorphia, because I'd been lean, and then all of a sudden, I felt really skinny after my fights, and I was like, do you know what, I'm going to bulk up, so all of a sudden, I bulked up, used the, the, whole, the old phrase of dirty bulking. <laughs> I think I bulked up to about 16 stone. So I went from like 10 and a half to 16 stone in three years. Just didn't stop bulking. (laughs) Went to the gym all the time. Got strong. um, Probably stronger than I am now, to be fair. But uh, I just completely just kidded myself on that it was going to be, if I trained more, I would would look better. But although I might have felt as if I was bigger and people knew that it wasn't just fat, there was a bit of muscle in there too. Um, I would definitely got myself to a stage where I, I wasn't ha- although I trained all the time I wasn't happy with my physique, lost a wee bit of weight and then uh, I was still training all the time, don't get me wrong for the last 10 years I've been training pretty con- consistently maybe doing some of the wrong things but I'd been, I'd always, I've always loved training I've always kind of made time for it um, but the, the issue for me was that when uh, I went and had the gym I was like I'd seen all these people that were that were just like personal trainers or whatever and they, they all they all looked ripped and I'm like, I can't get to that. I can there's no way I can do that. But I was like, do you know what? I've surprised myself opening up my, my own place. I'm gonna do it. So basically as soon as I, I opened the gym, I think I, I opened it in November and I said to myself, A typical New Year's resolution, I think it was in January, I was like, right, let's go for it. I'm gonna get into the best shape of my life done it I'd never really done it before Um, this was about four years ago and all of a sudden uh, I had I set myself a date booked a photo shoot hold myself accountable and just completely went for it and these these are definitely things you you learn from and then ever since then I've just kind of gradually tried to hold myself accountable as much as possible I've got a new date what's the date today 15th so it's exactly a month today of uh, basically trying to get into the best shape that I've been in so far for my wedding later on in the year, so it's just all about trying to hold yourself accountable. And that's after owning the gym, I felt a wee bit of imposter syndrome that I wasn't in the the shape yeah. that I wanted to be in. So that's kind of that's where that's where that came from. So um, in shape, but not in shape, in shape for a PT.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's a few things you touched on there that we are going to chat about further on in the podcast, but we just want to kind of take it back to you open in a gym. Obviously, over the time of when you started to where you are now, you have had obstacles and struggles that you faced um, through building your business. What's a few obstacles or struggles that you've, you've had over the years and how did you overcome them?
1: Uh, probably the one I just outlined is probably the, one of the biggest ones. Uh, I'd say the two main ones are... Uh, direction. So like structure and direction, like I knew that I my heart was in the right place. I definitely wanted to help people. Fitness helped me. Um but I I had no idea exactly how to do it. Personal training doesn't qualify you for the psychological aspects you need to deal with clients and the best thing to how to get the best out of your clients. And these are just things that you learn in time. Like Telling a client to do um, a back squat and do 10 reps is, is is what a lot of people see of personal trainers. But in actual fact, if you care more about your clients, whether they're doing bodyweight squats or back squats, the results, most people are looking for fat loss and they need to be guided by the hand a wee bit more, which is definitely you almost get frustrated with your clients when you first start that they're not getting a result because you're like, I'm giving you all the tools. This is what you need to do. And then I felt a wee bit of imposter syndrome because I I thought that all I needed to give them was um, this is what you need to do rather than think, right, what problems are you going to come across on a weekly basis? How can I help you? Jump on a call with them, realign them, get them back on track and realize that it's not a one size fits all. And that was probably the biggest part, imposter syndrome. And still I started getting results from my clients. And then the second one is is a structure and identity. So when I opened the gym, I had members in the gym. I was training my my mum and my auntie to begin with in classes. And I remember taking like a boxing class and a strength and conditioning class. And I had really no idea what I was doing with the business. And then there was guys that were just walking in and training. And I would, they would pay me six pounds. And I would like, they would just use the facility because there was no one really in. And there was no vibe about it. And I didn't really know, like someone phoned up and was like, what do you offer? I, f- I had no idea what the gym offered. Um, and don't get me wrong over that first year I, I nearly threw in the towel a, a thousand times but I think as soon as I found what exactly what I wanted to do and probably if I'm honest that's only the last six months to a year that I've really got an identity of the gym and myself and that's four years later so it's I've changed things over and over and over again so I would say know your direction and know your structure take a few steps back and all this whole lockdown things and allowed me to do that as well um take a few steps back and reflect whether you need to reflect with someone else or reflect just in your own head uh to figure out a plan to go forward rather than just being reactive with everything that's going on because you that'll be the worst way to, to make progress or the slowest way to make progress
0: yeah for sure like you gave some absolutely valid points there and some good takeaways for anybody that's not even just starting a gym or a business within fitness really just any type of business that you can think of when obviously we spoke a little bit about support do you think that you could have started the gym without any support
1: um, do you mean support in terms of financial or support as in um su- like support from friends family so support from like friends family so the people around you so support from friends and family, like, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't in abundance. So, if anything, everyone was skeptical and like, I remember, and I remember some some people in my family that, basically, speaking to me about what I should do and like. After I'd sanded down all the bits of equipment myself um, with my, my dad, like my closest family there, like my dad, my, my wee brother, and my mum, a couple of select friends and some of my dad's pals helped me out. But literally, um, my family did not help me at all. Like, if anything, they were very sceptical of it and they didn't think that I could do it because, see, the person I was probably four years ago, to who I am now, it's a completely different person, like, yeah. I almost feel sorry for myself then, because I almost half believed them that I couldn't do it, but I, inherently I knew that I was worth more than what they viewed um of me, so, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really have a lot of help, if I'm perfectly honest, like, everyone's got an opinion of what you should do, but realistically, they should have been helping me do all the nitty-gritty stuff if they actually cared. So see if they actually cared about me moving forward with my business, they would have been down helping me sand and doing all the stuff that it takes all the blood, sweat, and tears rather than just having an opinion. Opinions mean nothing unless they've followed with action. So I didn't actually have a lot of help when it came to my family.
0: Yeah, I think I want to touch on there is you've said about um, obviously family members being skeptical. Now, I've had, I think anybody that tries to start their own business gets family members to a certain degree being a little bit skeptical and thinking that you can't really go ahead with it and they don't think you're capable of making it work I've had that you've just said you've had that and I know a few others that have had that as well how how much Mm -hmm. of an impact do you think that has on people um when they're trying to start a business and having their family being not supportive in a sense
1: well I think it's like is is classic especially for guys and we could talk about this all day because this then leads on to mental health guys guys have a an an ego and uh, they think they can do stuff and but then realistically that that ego is also met with insecurity and then as soon as you get people that aren't supporting that and they think you're just you're too big for your own boots you almost half start to believe it it's like you know when you have like Instagram influencers like let's talk girls right now, right? So Instagram influencers and they all get their friends to like the post and they're all dead supportive of each other. That in itself and a community of of them, whether it's within their own wee bubble, but it makes them feel important. It makes them feel as if they're doing something, even if they're even if their post is shit and everything shit about it, they still feel as if they're uh, they still feel as if they're moving forward with something and and they're, they're valid to what they're doing, whereas with guys they've, they've got an ego and then as soon as they post something or they are doing something it's a bit different and they have no support from the people closest to them that's the quickest way for them to feel like they've got imposter syndrome for their mental health to dip and I feel as if if you are going to start a gym or you're going to start something that's massive you need to be very headstrong and at least get there fast because um if you don't then you're going to it's going to be a hard mental struggle for you because the people will show their true colors i think Yeah, absolutely. What you said there
0: is spot on. One of my favourite quotes, and I think it will always be one of my favourite quotes, is you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. And so if, say, for anybody listening doesn't know what I mean by that is, say you spend time with everybody, five people that are on the dole, chances are you're going to be on the dole. If you spend your time with five millionaires, you're going to be probably at some point a millionaire, you know, five business owners, you're eventually going to get that business mindset. Yeah. So talking about obviously having supportive people around you, I know quite a few mm-hmm. people that have mentors and it's something that I'm looking into as well. Do you have any? And if so, what made what made you decide to get one?
1: Yeah. So this is probably going to flip the whole thing on its head because as much as I just said, I didn't have any support. It It took me three years to admit that I needed support so I didn't get it from my family so I, to be honest I didn't even really know there was mentors out there other than crooks guys that were just trying to get your money <laughs> yeah. um, and there'd been a couple of times that I'd seen stuff and Facebook ads and stuff and there's, there, they're in abundance now um, and I had really no idea and I, I jumped on a couple of calls and as soon as they asked for all this money up front I was like absolutely no chance um, I'm not I'm doing that one, because I didn't believe I could do it. And two, because I had no idea who they were from Adam. So it's a, it's definitely a, a difficult situation to be able to kind of sift through. But the best thing that I have done is seek help because it's really fast-tracked. Over the last year, everything that I wanted to do in my head, and I had so many ideas. And coming from a kind of creative background, when you've got so many ideas, but no direction and focus and something to like really stop you from like give you a wee bit of head like uh you know when what's the the blinders i need a wee wee bit of blinders like horses when you see otherwise you'd be veering off in different angles so um i i basically invested in myself i think it was maybe september or october last year uh in phil graham's course and i was shitting myself when i first started um but see just having that community and surrounding yourself with people and there's no there might be some ego guys in there, right? But that there's not real everyone's genuinely there. Like I'll put up a post um about something that I'm struggling with. Within a few minutes or hours, there's guys there giving me uh feedback and I'm not in my own head being reactive, emotional with all the decisions that I'm making. And it definitely has just helped me fast track where where I want to go and and it's it's allowed my my clients to get better results because I'm happier and less emotional as a person um. so I'm able to be more I'm able to be clearer in my head to what I want and what they want because at the end of the day you need to be a leader and if you're all over the fucking joint then how can you expect your clients to feel as if you're leading them through a process and if your head's all over the place guaranteed your clients will feel that and that's just through personal experience. I've definitely felt that before, is that um, even you'll probably feel yourself that whether you want to admit it or not, like when you've done a show or when you've done anything that's been really taxing on your body, like that that takes up so much of your energy that there's there's only so much energy that you have to go around. And let's face it, are your clients going to get all that energy? Uh, he... Pro- probably not.
0: No, hundred percent. Like, like you say, there from me in the past of competing. I remember my after the first show. Well, leading up to the first show, that's I actually had a coach just to kind of keep me accountable. Um, I had Joe Parrish as my coach, and yep, I can remember he's my coach. <laughs> Is it <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember um the last two weeks of prep. All my clients even said to me they were like, "Take time off. Like you're not here when you're here." Yeah. And that really hit me and it it also made me realize like you don't have to be, for any PTs listening anyway who's trying to build a business, you don't have to be shredded to be a PT. I remember, um, so obviously there I was probably top 5% of physiques in in the UK at that point, probably, Um, Mm -hmm. naturally anyway. And my business was at its worst. And then after the business when I blew up and gained (laughs) 20 kilos and I was basically overweight, my business is, uh, is best. Yeah. So yeah. it's probably from a relatability factor. And um yeah, yeah relatable, being relatable to your clients is 100% probably the most important thing. Being relatable and having a personality.
1: Yeah, I think, well, some most most of your clients, like, I've, a, I've had a few clients, like, get into, like, really good shape. But, like, most of your clients just want a wee bit of, like, I hate the word, but, a bit of tone round their stomach and yeah. like and actually feel as if they're they've they've sculpted their body in some sort of way that when they tend something moves like yeah. most people don't have that so by you giving them that you're doing your job and if that means that you maybe need to take a, a wee bit of it. Uh, a wee bit of seriousness away from your own training um, then fine but what I have found is that if you take too much away from it and you're not practicing what you preach that is, so it's trying to find that balance as well to the point that you still need to be training like you, you do need to practice what you preach as well but potentially not just have go well overboard to where you're, you've not got enough time for your clients either so it's a difficult balance
0: yeah 100% Um, I, I can no find well it took me <sighs> I mean, I've been personal training for six years now, and it's it took me a good, I would say, three four years to f- eventually find that balance to of obviously been relatable to clients and also keeping myself healthy in a sense. Well, mm-hmm. obviously, so through your full um, story there, there's a lot of points where you've showed vulnerability, which I personally think vulnerability is a good thing. Um, a lot of people think if you show you're vulnerable it gets to the point that you're a like that people aren't going to really take you serious yeah how important do you think vulnerability is um to come across on with clients
1: well i, I think i think it depends vulnerability is is great but only if you if if you don't leave it as an open wound so what i've just said there was that i was in a really bad place but now look at the the actionable steps that I've done and look where I am now. Whereas if I just said I was in a really bad place, are you still in a bad place? Like, why would I follow you and why would I take advice from you when you've potentially lived it, but you're still living it? Whereas right now, I can genuinely say that obviously this whole lockdown thing scared everyone, but I can genuinely say that my business and my head is as good as it's ever been in my life. So... The fact that I've went from this specific place that cl- a lot of clients come to me, let's face it, a lot of clients with a problem, whether it be physique, mental or whatever, maybe a mix of both, come to you with this problem. And if you've if you always felt as if you're in shape and whatever, it's hard to relate to, to your clients, whereas at least showing a bit of vulnerability, you can show, listen, I've been here, but look where I am now and you can get here if you work with me. So I think it's definitely something that as long as long as you don't even open wind it's it's very but it's also cool to be vulnerable sometimes I think there's people posting stuff about depression and anxiety and I'm like are you posting that like is that an act or is that like because it's all yeah um so it's it's hard um to to know but I think you can also kind of tell as well if someone's been genuine or not
0: oh yeah absolutely I mean that's that's a subject that we could probably go full out on that it's probably best for another time <laughs> yeah but, um,
1: and the next podcast
0: yeah but um yeah about vulnerability there was a i seen a post yesterday and it was by phil Lerny, and he was saying that and on the post it was just like don't don't have your business living off of vulnerability like be mm. sure you're vulnerable but don't let that be the only factor of your business and like you said there you kind of hit the nail on the head like show that you're vulnerable but don't don't show that you're if like, don't make it look as if you're still vulnerable. Like if you're in a bad yeah. place, like you're you're obviously you half day. Obviously, show how you've been able to progress through that vulnerability, which yeah. is definitely a massive thing. Yeah, people
1: re- want to be to be given like a path of some sort to to know that it's possible. It's like I jumped in a few calls this week, and it's because I recently put up a couple of the transformations. And you get two types of people that phone you, people that that see that and then they, they, they act from a place of desperation and they're like, right, I, I, need to, I need to go and get in that sort of shape. And then some people see it and go, I see these transformations all the time, but actually I, I love the fact that I know that person. Like, So it's maybe a friend or whatever or someone that knows. And then the fact that there's there's more of an attachment there to the person who's got the result because they know who they are then uh, that's gonna basically be better for them because then they feel as if it's there's a path to do that and it's a it's a possibility. Whereas if you're just posting transformations after transformation, there's a wee bit of a detachment there from the person mentally because they're like, Well that could be anyone, that could be a lie, you could be a crook. There's so many different aspects and that go on in your your life, which is why it's I guess so important to to basically do a lot of social media stuff to when someone does want to work with you eventually? They do feel as if they maybe know you a little bit.
0: Yeah, oh me, hundred percent agree. It's it's a very, very, very valid point there. And so, see through us speaking there about opening a gym, and obviously you having your own transformation. So obviously mm-hmm. took a lot of hard work. Now people mm-hmm. always say work harder, not smarter. I want to ask you, obviously, because you've been through it all and you're still progressing in both business and physique. Do you think this phrase is true, or do you think it's a bit of a bullshit phrase?
1: What work smarter, not harder. Work smarter, or not work. harder. Um, I would say. Well, it depends what way you look at it. I guess it's looking at a painting. It could mean a million different things, but it's. I would say work working working smarter is definitely like. F- from a physique perspective, first of all, from a f- physique perspective, I was working out seven days a week at uni, um, kidding on that I was bulking up. Uh, Although I was putting on some size and strength, I knew fine well that that wouldn't actually get me the the body that I wanted, but I was just kidding myself on. Um, And I was still working out seven days a week. So, like, the the training was there. So I was working, technically I was working harder than I was when I first opened the, the gym. And then I started to kind of do a bit more research and really figure out actually how to best get into the best shape. And that wasn't chest day, arm day, back day. That was more of a, like a push pull leg split or something where you're training your muscle group groups more often. Like sometimes I would go a week without training my legs or two weeks or three months <laughs> 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 paid for it now. But, uh, you you learn as you learn you, you have to you can put in a wee bit less effort but get more out of it and uh, but you need to have a wee bit of humility to you kind know, of step back and do that but sometimes i think people use the work smarter as an excuse to not work hard because then others are like well i'll wait till the perfect time and i'll, I'll be smart and strategic about it people are great at telling you what they're going to do and not actually just doing it Sometimes you need to just work hard and be a busy fool and be stupid to figure out what you've done wrong to then actually do it. Um, but then I guess in terms of investment, like investing in a personal trainer or investing in a business um, mentor or whatever, that's, I guess, the fast track because they've already made the mistakes and you don't have to. Yeah. So what what we are isn't necessarily... like all, this, all the information that we're giving a client is... out there already it's not there's nothing new and like all you need to all you need to think about is do I have to go and do this myself which I won't do I'll put it off like I have done for the last six years of my life or do I invest in someone and get a fast track and invest in myself and that's what that's the way that people need to think about it rather than thinking about from a perspective of a financial perspective or whatever because um it's, it's, it's a difficult thing because when people are emotion, when we spoke about this off camera, but when emotions are high, intelligence is low, which is one of my favorite kind of quotes. And people are dead reactive with everything. And I probably went completely off track with what the question was. But.
0: No, it's all right, mate. Just keep going. You're giving good value, mate. I'm happy with that. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. 100%. Like, I would agree that working smart has its place. But working hard yeah. has its place as well. There's to work smart you also have to work hard. So in my eyes it's a bit of a It's
1: a balance, act.
0: Yeah. Eh, basically, yeah. But talking about working hard, I want to chat a little bit about your content on Instagram. So mm-hmm. for anyone who follows you, they know that you put out content very consistently, but alongside that is always very high quality. How much mm-hmm. of your time would you say creating content takes up?
1: Well, So, so so when I, well, going back to my background was in product design. So what product design basically is for anyone that doesn't know is you get a brief of a problem, which say, for instance, I designed a a toy for autistic children because my cousin was autistic. You get a brief and then you, you go and you do research on it and you create a product around that. So you create a, a brand, you create a design, and then you create a video. On promotion, right? So you kind of learn all ins and outs of one stage to the next, which then overlapped a little, a little bit onto you kind know, of the fitness side of things. And probably about four years ago, Facebook organic reach, everything like that was was tip top, and I was probably on it pretty, pretty early, um, and probably didn't capitalise on it as much as I probably should have, because um, I didn't realise. But. uh I was always making content because I loved doing it because that's what I was doing my master's degree in. Um, so I found an element of enjoyment in that within it. So what I would say to people is that when people look at my content and, like, they compare it to to theirs is that, realistically, I have spent – so let's say I've got 100 YouTube videos, right, and that's just YouTube. So let's say I've got 100 YouTube videos, right, and. Each YouTube video takes me three hours <laughs> to to make so yeah. that's three three like three hundred hours of of time that I've spent to edit a YouTube video. but then I've had to film that YouTube video and I've had to put Instagram stories out and edit stuff and put Instagram posts and everything's a like a whole separate thing. so I would say there's thousands of hours I've spent on it. so when someone first downloads an app it asks me, the amount of PTs that ask me, what app is it that you, um, what what do you use for, to edit your videos? That, it doesn't matter what app I use, it's the fact that I've put in the hours and it's the same as when I throw it back, if there's a personal trainer listening, when I throw it back to them and say, listen, if a client came to you and said, what uh, protein do you use? That's the least of their worries. The least, the, the thing that they need to focus on is the fact that they need to put in the hours and it'll come with time my content's get better with time yours will get better stop looking for that quick fix and listen to what you you would say to your clients and throw it back to them and like i've put in a lot of hours to that and probably not got a lot of recognition in terms of like i felt as if the world owed me something because my content was good and when i became less of a self promoter as in look at my content with with everything that I was doing. I was trying to like impress everyone with all my content, but eventually people get sick of that. And I, I, I seen it, I seen it. I was less engagement in my posts and things. And I would say genuinely in the, only in the last six months that I've started to see some growth again in, in what I'm doing. And I think it's because the content that I'm putting out, I'm genuinely listening to the people, what they want to see, whether that's recipes or, or whatever. And because I'm creating it, well and I'm I'm doing some kind of good stuff with it then it's getting the reach whereas if all I'm doing is posting my workouts and and whatever like uh then I, people will get sick of it eventually
0: yeah for sure 100 percent. with them um, chatting about instagram and content creation and stuff like that you also have your own youtube channel and you have your own podcast to get a get get a grip show now mm-hmm. both of these alongside your instagram why do you do these two as well are these just a creative outlet for you or are these are you thinking more long-term client value
1: well it's, it's, it's hard to know I've done I've, I've done so many things that that haven't worked out See, even YouTube would probably be something that hasn't worked out if you actually add up the hours to what I've gotten out of it like I've got I think I'm like one one subscriber away from like 400 subscribers right which is not a lot in the grand scheme of things when it comes to to YouTube and I've put in loads of hours, I've vlogged my whole life over the last four years but that's probably the biggest amount of value I can take away from it like sometimes me and Kirsten um, my fiance will basically look at vlogs from the last few years of us going on holiday every so often after a bottle of wine on a Saturday night and we're like look at that memory that we've got there like as much as she hates me sometimes filming them I'm able to look back at that. So that's what keeps me going because I genuinely enjoy it. It's great when a video gets a, a thousand views and loads of likes and stuff, but um, when when they don't, it doesn't bother me so much because I've spent the hours doing it with, with not a lot of return, but like the return I get is the fact that when I have kids, I can show them that part of my life in quite an extensive extensive way and I can see the growth. And for me, when I think this was off camera that we'd said, and you, were, you said you were sitting in, a cafe or whatever and you just felt as if um, you felt guilty for for being for not really doing very much and yeah. you're probably quite similar to me to the point that you feel as if, fuck, I, I, I should be doing something right now whereas by doing, because I'm quite hard working because I've found something I enjoy, whereas I was lazy as hell when I was in, I was so lazy. When I was in uh, university, I would sleep all the time because I, I, I couldn't be bored with it. Whereas because I've genuinely found something that gets me out of bed in the morning, I want to keep that and I want to hold on to it. So I'm constantly um, trying to find ways to be productive, whether that's doing YouTube or podcasts or whatever. And just seeing a progression and growth, no matter how slow, will definitely just kind of keep me going. Otherwise, if I'm not moving forward with stuff like that, I feel as if I'm moving backwards. Yeah, definitely.
0: Talking about being creative, how important do you think that is for a personal trainer to be creative to try and stand out for the crowd because obviously nowadays like you say four years ago organic reach on facebook instagram it was at its peak where you you could reach a large audience without having to do paid or sponsored ads yeah now it's obviously got a lot harder so for any new pts coming into the industry how how important do you think it is for them to be creative and kind of a stand out and have their own niche? Uh,
1: yeah, I think that's a, a really good point about having having a niche. So there's being creative, like, and then there's also like having giving people a reason to follow you. So like, if you're doing what everyone else is doing, and because they it looks as if they're doing great, then you're just going to fall amongst everyone that, and it's it's going to be very hard to be heard, whereas if you're saying stuff that's different and you're doing stuff that's different, then you're going to stand out a lot easier. So that's where creativity comes in. So, like, whether that means coming up with a catchphrase, like, for instance, like, even, like, I had a few messages today because if anyone has listened to the podcast, uh, my podcast, the intro for it is like people are like I can't get that bloody song out of my head <laughs> like stuff like that is is how people are going to remember you so just little simple things like that comes down to kind of creativity and having things that that are a wee bit more out. so I think it's very important that that PT is now more than ever stand out especially now that lockdowns happened like you can't get in front of um as many people in person uh, whether you're working a gym floor or whatever so you need to do the talking online and to get in front of a camera or whatever can be daunting to begin with, but um through practice you you can come more of your personality can come across. But I think I think it's still very difficult to show your real self on on camera. I still don't think people know who I'm. Yeah, a hundred percent. I would agree
0: with that massively. Um when you say obviously it's <laughs> I would, one bit of advice I would give anybody who's trying to make content as well, video is, it's just going to get, it's just going to become a better outlet than like just posting photos on Instagram. It's, Mm -hmm. throughout time, it's just always going to be better. And I know from personal experience, I struggled a lot when I first put a camera in front of me. Like I could have a conversation, but as soon as I seen that lens in front of my face, I would freeze. Yeah. And now people say to me all the time like oh you're very confident on camera blah 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 and I'm like that's because I've been videoing myself for six years so if yeah any trainers listening I would highly recommend that even if you're not posting videos just record yourself yeah yeah, yeah yeah different topics and discussing it and I would also say when you're recording it don't just go blind eyed if you're talking about a subject have like not even a script just bullet points
1: a beginning middle and an end yeah
0: yeah, a hundred percent. Like, so yeah. Anybody who's looking to jump into the kind of a social media game for personal training or any other business, just start using video, but get better at at it over time by just recording yourself.
1: Yeah, and I I think it's uh, it's definitely it's, it's something that like even the other day I filmed a video like five times, and I'm I'm not putting out because I'm like. I didn't have a valid enough point and I want the stuff that I put out to be valuable. But the fact that I've recorded that, it's just more and more practice. I know what people want to see. And then I, I just basically went off on a tangent, which is why podcasts are good because people are genuinely more invested in it. You're not just scrolling through the newsfeed and have like three seconds to get their attention, Um, which is why I think people can come across very different on Instagram versus like a podcast or yeah. something because all of a sudden you're like, be like listen to me listen to me and you've got like maybe stories is a wee bit easier probably actually harder because they're just swiping swiping and you're, you're literally getting a few seconds to um to show up on people's um news feeds and for them to actually take you seriously so it's it's difficult to stand out and be yourself because if you're not a very extroverted person it's it's quite difficult and i would say at all that i'm an extrovert but Maybe some people on social media think I have to be if I'm confident on camera or I'm doing this. But if anything, growing up, I was 100% an introvert.
0: Yeah, 100%. Like What you said there, obviously, about coming across as yourself on Instagram compared to podcasts, that's a very valid point. I found that like Instagram, I swear a lot, and it's just that it brings people in. I'm a bit more energetic in my videos. And then if you listen to me on a podcast... I tried. I try to limit the swearing just for a professional view.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've probably, probably sworn
0: about 20 times already in this oh, podcast. Mate, I, I, don't worry, I, I swear a lot anyway. And I want this podcast to come across as very real and transparent to people when people swear. I mean, it's in my nature. I grew up with my parents swearing, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> my kids are probably going to swear, so it's completely fine. But yeah, like you say, it's, On Instagram, you do have to, whenever you're making videos, you kind of have to give it an extra 30%, 40% oomph when you're videoing. As soon as that camera goes on, you have to be a bit more energetic. Because if you're just chatting, for for instance, how I'm chatting right now, if you're making a video on calorie counting and I'm just talking like this, folk are going to watch you and
1: go, fuck that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) especially, you're trying to, what we speak about a lot of time is boring. Oh yeah So like calories And all that sort of stuff So you need to make that exciting In some way shape or form So like whether that's With fucking words popping up And you like changing clothes By clicking your fingers Like you need to be creative And find stupid ways of like Doing stuff like that Like even look at Look at Everyone's in front of the phone now And look at the explosion of TikTok Because yeah. that's that's That evokes a lot of emotion When people are watching it Because it's not just a photo Of someone looking good um so yeah you can you can see the way that the world's going now with, with uh, that whole thing
0: absolutely like it doesn't even have to be anything as spectacular as like like you say clicking your fingers and changing clothes like a lot of people might not know how to edit stuff like that but even just silly analogies like in one of the videos i i am um, referred to hit and list training to sex and wanking and <laughs> <laughs> and it just like people were like, "That's quite funny," and I'm like, "And obviously, it's maybe a bit of a boring subject, but if you can relate it, relate it to something that's relatable to people, then they're gonna they're gonna remember that video more than anything else." So it is yeah. definitely about just trying to make it different from whatever yeah. you're posting.
1: Yeah, I think I think, um, and then that goes down to your niche. So like, as soon as you swear or you say anything like that then you're probably going to lose a few people, but you'll also gain a few people. But the people that you gain will be stronger than the ones that you've lost because you, you can't please everyone. And I think that's what you you kind of you learn as well is that you can't please everyone. There'll be people that it doesn't matter what you say that they'll just not like you for some reason. Oh, uh and that's just the way it goes. So,
0: yeah, a hundred percent. Like I, I the one of the quotes about phrases that I like is people are going to hate you no matter what you do, so you'd be as well as doing what you enjoy. And yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so, so, so true. But throughout everything we've spoken about there, from social media to building a business to personal training, there's a lot of very viable takeaway points for a lot of people um, within the industry or not in the industry. So before mm-hmm. we finish off, I want to have a little quick fire round for people listening, and it's going to be a fat loss edition. So I've got a list of five questions, and I want you to answer each question um, as direct as you can and in as short a time frame as you can. So, are you ready? Okay. Yep, exactly. yep. Right, so the first one is do you have to cut carbs to lose weight? No. <laughs> do
1: you have to try? Is, 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 is it a yes or no? Or I, uh, can you I can explain?
0: go in a little bit more in depth.
1: Right, okay. No, you don't need to cut carbs. You used to think you have to cut carbs, but you will have to cut probably some carbs that you're eating because most people over-consume carbs because they don't have a high enough protein diet. So to hit your calories, you need more protein, which potentially means you need to cut some of those carbs. Perfect.
0: Do you think you have to track macros or just calories for fat loss?
1: For probably 80% of people, just calories would be fine and a bit of protein. Other macros are personal preference as long as they're not super, super low. Um but then for when you start getting into higher levels of stuff, then yeah, I'd say macros would be more important. Perfect. Do people need cardio to lose weight? Well, they don't need it, but yeah, like try 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 losing weight and lying in your bed all day. Go for it. Yeah. That's all <laughs> that, that, that
0: was as direct as they come. Um can people lose weight without tracking calories?
1: Yes. Yeah um i wouldn't recommend it though perfect because well, lastly, because oh well, okay on, <laughs> That's you it. on you go no, i was i was just going to say because you need to initially have an idea of what what's in foods otherwise you cuz i don't track calories probably 70% of the year but i do kind of in my head because i eat similar things that i enjoy yeah perfect. and I, I have done for a while
0: and lastly is there any such thing as good and bad foods
1: nope no, nothing like good and bad foods like that food that tastes good and bad, but that's that's really it. That's as far as I can go with good and bad foods.
0: Yeah, perfect. That's the five questions I had. Before we finish up, there's a few questions that people have asked from Instagram, and they're quite interesting. Pardon me. So the first one is, what is it like having a closed gym during COVID-19, and how are you managing
1: it? Um, Initially, it was probably actually great, because I was... I'd probably ran myself into the ground a wee bit. Um so it would given me a wee bit of time to not feel as if I was working split shifts all the time and constantly running um back and forth to the gym. Um and I don't live mega close to the gym either. So it's it was it was tough getting up at five in the morning, going into the gym, finishing at nine at nine at night, um and just not feeling as if I have much of a life. So it was a it was it was helpful initially, but then I think as time goes on um, you do get a wee bit of cabin fever like I've taken it and I've been very productive each day which has helped me but there is definitely an element now of cabin fever and feeling as if I need out and I need more human interaction Zoom's been great but it's uh, it's definitely I, I love as much as I thought I wanted to be an online coach completely um, I don't think I'll ever have an completely online business because I'll, I like the actual one-to-one nature of yeah. the client interaction stuff
0: yeah i think a lot of pts think but it's because they see all these online trainers selling the dream of being in front of a nice mercedes or a lamborghini with yeah. living in ballet like next to the pool and it's it's not like that for any pt listening <laughs> it's no not.
1: no it's definitely not
0: um the last one Um, before we finish up is do you have any staff working for you at the gym and if so how do you find managing a team of people
1: uh it's probably a difficult one um because you wouldn't call them you wouldn't call them staff I have personal trainers there's six of us working the gym who are self-employed technically pay me rent um but that's where I found it difficult to develop a team because they're their own brand and I'm my own brand. Um so it, it is that's probably the most difficult thing. Um but through time I've gradually tried to encourage people to become more Titan orientated and have the telltale signs to to who to keep on and, and who not to because at the end of the day, um everyone's out for themselves unless you're working on something together. So, um, I, find it ve- I find it very difficult to manage a team. So, probably the only staff member that works for free is my mum. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I have, I mean, that was the two questions I had, but I've got one f- for you. Um, right. Do you think you'll eventually, in this gym, take a step back and have someone running it for you with it, like, as an in, in the gym? And also, do you think you'll branch out and have another and turn it into a franchise?
1: Uh, I don't know about franchise, but yeah, I think I'll have more than one gym eventually. And I, to have more than one gym, I can't be doing all the hours in one gym. So I reckon in the next year, I probably won't do any classes or or anything like like that. I'll probably have more of a a role of going down. Speaking to the members Popping in and all the stuff But have have staff there So uh, Probably over the next Six months to a year Probably more like a year For this current situation But I'll be hiring st- Like actually be hiring staff Rather than uh, Which is an, a fortunate position That, I'm, that I am that find myself in now To be able to actually Afford to start hiring staff Whereas yeah. before I, I relied on I was maybe Under the grasp of people That were paying me rent Because I needed to pay rent But now the fact that that's how you in essence build a team because you're if you're paying their wages and you're you're giving them something they will give back whereas if all you're doing is taking a rent from someone they're not going to feel like they owe you anything yeah so um that's what i've definitely found and that's where i plan to go with the business
0: yeah no perfect mate and i'm excited to see see the growth of the business over the coming years um, but that's, honestly, mate, that's pretty much everything that I've wanted to ask you. We've covered so much from personal training to owning a business slash build gym and also from a social media and um, mindset point of view. So I really appreciate you coming on, mate. Where, um, where can people find you um, social media wise? So your Instagram, Facebook, podcast, anything like that?
1: Uh, so basically just type in my name. There's not a lot of people with my name. So Sylvester, Sylvester Sweeney. So Sylvester Sweeney PT on Instagram and just type in Sylvester Sweeney um or maybe even Mr. Titan Fitness is what I used to be under on <laughs> YouTube, something like that. Um and I'm sure it'll come up and uh yeah, the gym's Titan Fitness. So other than that, the get a grip show is the podcast. So yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Dylan will be on that at some point and we can talk about some different topics than we did today.
0: Yeah, perfect. So what I'll do is I'll just link everything you've just said down in the show notes below, and we'll finish it up there, mate. I appreciate you coming on.
1: No worries. Thanks a lot for having me.